The best and brightest physicians choose to work at Boston Medical Center. And now it's time to hear what they're saying. This is Boston Med Talks. Here's Melanie Cole. For many children, inattention or the tendency to fidget can happen from time to time. But as a parent, how can you tell if your child's behavior is within the normal range or if something more might be going on? For parents, this can be a very concerning question. My guest today is Dr. Patrick Mabray. He's a pediatric neurologist and the head of pediatric movement disorders at Boston Medical Center. Welcome to the show, Dr. Mabray. So tell us a little bit about the prominence of these kinds of fidgety behaviors in children, and are they mostly considered normal? Hi, Melanie. Uh, thanks so much for having me. That's a great question. So there are lots of children that will have lots of fidgety movement, um, and it really depends on the age that you're having them and what they look like, and then also what they're stopping you from being able to do. For example, there was actually a study done um, back in the around the 80s, 70s, the 80s, where some uh, pediatricians went and just sat in a kindergarten class, and nearly one out of four kids during the time that they were sitting there in the class watching them had some kind of fidgety movement or tick movement where they had an, kind of what looked like an uncontrolled movement of their, their body. So they're very, very common, um, especially in different age ranges. Kind of you'll see different fidgety or, or um, kind of, you know, movements that seem a little different than or less controlled than you'd see in kind of older children. So if this is reasonably normal, especially in kindergartners and toddlers and, you know, those kinds of kids, and you see it, when is it that a parent should be concerned? Because we all have this thing pop into our head worrying about, oh, is this an OCD or is this ADHD? Or these questions pop into our head. When should we actually be concerned? And what if the school comes to us and tells us about some of these things? Really, the primary thing that I, when I'm talking to families and looking at patients and talking with patients to try to find out is, are these movements affecting your ability to function? And there's a number of ways it might affect your ability to function in, at, in the grade school age. One is, is it causing impairments or problems with your peers? So are other kids noticing them? Is it abnormal enough that kids are picking on you or making fun of you? Is it a movement that is making a noise or that is so disruptive that it's affecting other kids in class and so they're not able to learn? So your teachers are putting you outside um, for a period of time or sending you to the principal's office? Or are the ticks or the movements causing some kind of pain? So, you know, are, is your head turning to the side repetitively to the point that you start getting neck pain from that? Those are things that are concerning, and those are reasons why you'd want to come and actually be evaluated. What's an evaluation like? So an evaluation for the, begins with just talking about what the movements are. As we, you know, as everyone always says, a picture is worth a thousand words and a video is worth 10,000 words. We all walk around with video recorders in our, in our, on our hips. Um, so pulling out that phone, taking a recording of the different movements that you can and bringing that in so that I can see them um, or whichever pediatric neurologist is that you're going to, to be evaluated by can see it, really look at it. And then we start asking questions. When do they happen? Uh, what makes them happen more? Um, are there any other things going on with your child? How are they doing in school? How's their development been? Uh, and so going through a, kind of a, a lot of different questions to understand what these movements are uh, and just the general health of, of the child in, uh, in particular. And then we do a, a thorough neurologic evaluation. Um, and then at that point, we sit down and discuss what do we think is going on? What are the issues here? 
what things require treatment of whether or not it's medicine or uh, whether or not it's going to be some different therapies, uh, including some behavioral therapies or habit reversal therapies, or whether or not these are uh, things that we can just continue to monitor and have you come back in you know, a couple of months and make sure that things aren't changing. Are these types of neurological conditions or tick disorders or whatever the movement disorder is, are these something, Dr. Mabray, that you can actually see if you do some kinds of tests? Or is it just you're taking the family history and you're, and you're determining that this is what's going on? Is there anything that you can actually see and point to directly? Yeah, so the movements themselves, so witnessing the movements, which is why I was saying bringing in a video is incredibly helpful. When you actually see these movements, they're, they're very specific, and, and ticks have a very specific quality to them as well as uh, a very specific story around them. There aren't, there's not a blood test I don't, there, that I can send. Um, there are research-grade imaging tests that some people have used that aren't diagnostic or uh, 100% accurate, and they aren't currently in the clinical realm. Um, so, no, really no test other than the general knowledge and the, and the evaluation from a pediatric So you mentioned that sometimes you might watch and wait or see if it's stress-related for the child and there are medicational interventions that you can try. So when you tell a parent some of these options, a lot of parents are afraid when they hear the word meds because they think, you know, the ADHD meds and, oh my gosh, is my child going to be on these for a very long time? What do you tell them about some of the treatment options available that can help their child? So the first thing I tell parents is that we want to make sure that we're treating the child for the correct reason. And I'm bringing this up because tick disorders tend to travel with some other companions. And so during the evaluation, we try to figure out which of these kind of comorbidities or other illnesses do you have. And then we target our management to treat the problem. And if the ticks are the problem, then we'll talk about medicine for ticks. Um, sometimes you only need to take medicine for a short periods of time, uh, for a few months. Sometimes people will be on medicine for, for longer periods of time than ticks are. Ticks also have such an interesting uh, kind of time course with the way that they present. Often ticks will flare up around different times, such as times of illness or such as times of stress. September is a, uh, August, September is a, is a huge time for ticks to pop up. You know, the carefree summer days are over and you're back in school um, with all of the stresses that that, that that brings with it. And so ticks might flare up during that time. And then as you become more comfortable with your new teacher and your classmates, then ticks start to go away on their own until, you know, you get the illness around winter. And so if we start a medicine, we might start medicine and take them during the times of higher stress and take them off when there is less stress. Um, or in a lot of cases, we'll opt not to... So what about, it it absolutely does. And and what about the psychosocial aspects? Because as a child might have these movement disorders and maybe they come and go, if they are noticeable by other children, whether it's blinking or head movements or hand movements, you know, then they could cause some psychosocial effects. How do you help parents to deal with that with their children so that the kid doesn't feel left out or different or any of those things? Definitely. That's, that's another great question. Um, and that's one of the things that we really try to delve into when we're in the appointments and when we're talking with the family and the, the children. 
uh, and determining from the children's perspective, are they feeling any of those uh, symptoms? And if they are, then that would be a reason to start a treatment. There, and so that would be a medicine. Then there's also other treatments. Um, for example, there's habit reversal therapy or uh, comprehensive behavioral intervention for tic disorders, which we happen to have a, uh, a specialty trained like, psychologist in our movement disorders clinic who has the training to work with a child uh, to help identify what the movements are, the specific movements that are causing the distress that are being witnessed by other children or that are potentially distressful uh, to the child, and then sublimating or changing them to actually a different movement that is less noticeable. For example, if you have a movement where your whole arm from your shoulder down is flying upward and that's what kids are noticing, then we'll work with the children to potentially change the movement to, you know, you move your first finger up and down, and that's enough to relieve the urge of the tick um, and help you feel better, and it's not as noticeable to your peers or the children around you, um, and therefore it can reduce the, the stigma that can be associated with it. Well, it certainly is, you know, very tough on children to have these kinds of things and that feeling that you're somehow different. Tell us about the Pediatric Movement Disorders Clinic at Boston Medical Center and, and you know, some of what you're treating there and how you're helping children. Um, yeah, thanks for asking about that. We're actually very excited about the pediatric We have set up a day, uh, Friday morning, where we actually have our neuropsychologist uh, there with us in the clinic, able to see patients if necessary. Um, they're coming in so they can get a multidisciplinary evaluation, as we did during that time for tics and Tourette's uh, syndrome. And at that point, we'll give them a diagnosis. We'll tell them we'll actually start treatment if necessary from that very first and then continue to follow up. Um, we also have additional openings throughout the week uh, for other movement disorders. So wrap it up for us, Dr. Mabray, with your best advice and information to help parents that might be afraid their child has an OCD or ADHD or a movement disorder, tics, and something that you can tell them that will give them hope and, and really your best advice and about the Pediatric Movement Disorders Clinic at BMC. So I think the best advice that I can give parents regarding tick disorders and all the comorbidities and the other illnesses that come along with them is that these are immensely treatable illnesses. And what's important is to figure out what are the challenges that your child is having, what are the specific illnesses that they have, and to look and say, how can we improve your child's life? In many cases, these disorders will be either self-limited or able to be treated to where they are not causing any impact uh, on their life whatsoever. And so I'm very proud and happy to be honored to get to kind of take care of these children in order to help make their lives and the lives of their families better, to make sure that they can focus in school, that they're able to achieve their maximum potential, uh, even with having some of these altered movements or altered conditions. Thank you so much for being with us today. This is Boston Med Talks with Boston Medical Center. For more information on the Pediatric Movement Disorders Clinic at Boston Medical Center, you can go to bmc.org. That's bmc.org. This is Melanie Cole. Thanks so much for listening.